All right, welcome back in another edition of the damn podcast. Brandon Sprague, 1080, the fan, Angie Machado, BeaverBlitz.com. And even though the team is not very good right now, we got the energy and we're ready to do this podcast today. So much energy. Fired up. (laughs) I promise from the get-go, we're coming out and we're going to look like or sound like we want to do a podcast unlike the last two weeks for Oregon State where at kickoff, you think they're ready, they're really not. Yeah, that last week was, it seriously seemed like the longest game in the history of mankind. Oh my gosh, I'm glad you said that because I was on my couch and I had a few cold ones ready to go. I had some OSU sweatpants on. I go, you know what? I kind of like the 11.30 kick. I I like that it's, was it 12.30, 11.30? I like the early kick. Uh, Let's get this going. Let's see what they can do. I thought Colorado maybe was too excited about winning in Autzen and maybe they'd start slow. And I was about four beers in by, I want to say, four minutes into the first quarter. It was, uh, it was ugly. No, it was long. I was, we had a, a couple, like, wine pickup parties to go to. And, oh, my gosh, I was just like, can we go? Can we go? I, I, had, a, I, I had no cold ones. I was doing an online chat during the game, and it went on and on. And I, I, I thought the O-line played a little better. I, you know, I liked the mix-ups, you know, with, you know, they – but, you know, Fred Lowina went down, and yeah. Gus Lavaca actually looks pretty darn good compared to what we've seen. I liked moving Stanton into guard. Um, it was good to see Harlow back, but he had some rust. But, oh, goodness gracious. Even when you think they're going to kind of stop Colorado, then, you know, a safety would bite, and they'd score a touchdown. It, uh, I want to I ask you this uh, real quick, because it's a big recruiting weekend. Uh, it's a big recruiting week, I should say. Uh, there's some interesting developments going on with the Oregon State coaching staff and program in terms of recruiting, and there's nobody better to break that down with than you on this podcast, so we'll get to that in a moment. We got some really good damn podcast questions, uh, and I want to shout out people right now. Thank you, everybody, that's been listening. It's not been an easy season. It's been hard. Last year was difficult with the two wins. Uh, we had great numbers last year. We have even better numbers this year in terms of listening so I just want to say thank you to everybody out there that even though the team sucks, they're not very competitive, we appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to the podcast because Angie and I do this uh, just because we love Oregon State so much and we want to talk about the the Beaver football team and the program. Yeah, it's awesome. Thank you guys. And I guess I guess the bright spot is we can all commiserate together. Yeah, exactly. We can all we can all live through misery at the same time. Is your uh, is your nice little phone jingle there? <laughs> yes, yes, you like that. I did like that. Uh, I did want to ask you about this because this is something that came from Kerry Eggers, and uh, he he's one of the best people that cover Oregon State. Uh, he's been around it a long time. He wrote a real interesting article on Gary Anderson era thus far, and your your year and four games into your season now, and where they where they are, where they're going, et cetera. And he made an interesting point. He said this year's team is worse than last year's, and he also thinks this is the worst team since maybe Jerry Pettibone's 96 team, so they're even worse than Mike Riley's first team in 97. How do you feel about that? Well, I, I don't know if I disagree completely. I mean, they're, you know, but Jerry Pettibone's team, you know, I got 97 team, 98 team. Um, when Riley first came in, there were some really good defensive players those years. So, you know, you had director field and I mean there were some really good players so I don't know you know it's is it is it just the non they're just not competitive Brandon yeah. it's just not even it is I mean I guess I would have to agree with with Kerry on that and Kerry would know I mean he he's one of the long timers that has covered the team and it's it's yeah 
I have not seen such uncompetitive football at Oregon State in a long, long time. Are you surprised though? I know that I know the talent. I get the rebuild, uh, the shift in offense, et cetera, et cetera. Are you honestly surprised though that at this point, and again, granted, it's year two, but are you still surprised though with Gary Anderson at the helm? They're not competitive whatsoever. I, I did think this year was going to be more competitive. I, I thought that we'd see some improvements. I thought we'd see, um, you know, just starting to click a little more. And I and like we talked about, I think in that first or second podcast we did this year, we neither one of us knew if that would translate into wins necessarily, um, but we thought we would see better football. But we're not seeing that, and I think that is the most discouraging thing yeah. to see. I think the tough part, too, is like Gary Anderson comes out and the coaching staff comes out this week after losing, was it, 47-6, to six, uh, and you were getting blown out in the first half against Boise. They come out this week and they basically said, hey, you know, I know it doesn't look like it. We're not as far away as you think we are. And, and I think that's never easy for fans, media, whoever that's watching this team. I don't think that's ever easy when you see what you're seeing in terms of on-field results. To really comprehend, like that's that really takes a coach to understand. Is he right? Is he full of absolute BS here? Or yeah, I think I think it's just tough to decipher whether you believe that or not, just because we don't know what they're what they see, what they're watching on game film. You know, I I totally agree. Um, I do think the staff is pretty pretty honest with their assessments. Um, what I I would have agreed with that comment after Minnesota. Because yeah. I think after Minnesota, it was like, wow, okay, they're in it, they're competitive, we're, we're seeing improve, but we haven't seen anything since that game. Yeah. So um, it, it's tough. I mean, every week I, I have to make a prediction, and I, I think, okay, this is the week. They're going to, like, come together. You know, they're going to play like they did the second half against Boise. They're going to play like they did against Minnesota. They're going to – and they don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I think that's hard. I mean, this week, my prediction, we'll probably get to that at the end of the show, but yeah, yeah it's not pretty. Yeah, yeah, and watch them. They'll they'll come out and like play well. <laughs> just because you put it out there, and just because they'll do yeah. it just to spite you. Um, I know we're going to get to recruiting here in just a second. Uh, how many times over under you would say twenty five times you heard slash read about Gary Anderson in Oregon State being Mike McIntyre in Colorado? Oh my gosh, over completely. Yeah, that's no that was a no brainer, right? If you were to lay a bet like that, you would have to lay the money on the over on that one. I mean, it's been, and, and I, I get where people are coming from. I mean, I, I kind of, I see it myself. I mean, they were worst in McIntyre's second year. Yeah. But. Can I tell yeah. you that I was drunk and when I was tweeting and people were responding, like some people were, are we sure? Like there's this one listener and he, he's great. He interacts on Oregon State stuff. Um, but he, he's, he tweeted me multiple times this season. Are we sure it was a good idea to go away from Riley? Like it just hasn't been easy for some fans out there. And my only my only kind of response was the same response for everybody. And I admittedly was drunk when I responded. And it was, you know, Mike McIntyre. Twittering is bad. I know it's usually bad, but I was I was I had that sober enough feeling to where okay, I could type okay. and be comprehensive. You know, you could comprehend what I was trying to say. And my go to was, you know, in year two under Mike McIntyre, they lost, they won less games, right? <laughs> That was my go-to because I didn't know what else to say. Well, I mean, it, let's just wait and see what year three, but recruiting is going to be huge right now, and that's going to be their pitch, I think, is come in for immediate playing time. Okay, so um, we have some damn questions, some pretty good ones, and I, I want to I'll, I'll preface how we transition this next 
because we'll get into recruiting here. So this is getting one damn podcast question in now uh, in, in terms of how it relates to what we're about to talk about. And this one's from uh, from Matt. And he says, um, is going after a bunch of Juco players smart or is it desperate? So let's get into recruiting now for Gary Anderson and his staff. They've had real struggles. These these younger players haven't clicked yet. The older players have been incredibly disappointing. And you said you sense a shift. You're seeing a shift in the recruiting for Oregon State right now. Explain that one to listeners. Well, Matt, um, I will I'll address your question. Is it smart or is it desperate? I don't know. I think Oregon State's desperate at this point. They need playmakers, bottom line. Um, and I don't think it's a necessarily a bad thing if you're going to you know, start. You don't want your whole roster littered with JUCOs, but if you can address areas of need like offensive line and defensive backs immediately and get some guys that are, have you know, built up their bodies and are ready to come in and play, I think you do it. So that's, you know, this past week we have seen offers, multiple offers going out to uh, junior college offensive linemen and defensive backs Mm -hmm. from Mississippi, from Florida, from California, you name it. Oregon State is going after JUCOs hard. Okay, so you you talk, I mean, look, again, nobody knows the recruiting landscape better than you right now for Oregon State. Um, When you say you think it's a little desperate because they need playmakers, is there any program... Uh, I know it might be tough to answer this. Is there any program, though, in this conference that you've noticed that's done this, though, where maybe they've hit JUCOs pretty hard and it's helped them kind of make up for the, uh, for lack of a better term, for like the the lack of development right away for these freshmen and these incoming high school kids their first couple years? Is there a program similar in the Pac-12 to your knowledge that has resorted to using JUCOs for a while and then gotten themselves in the position where maybe they're a more respectable program right now? Well, I'd say, I mean, Utah uses JUCOs quite often. Washington State, Oregon will go after JUCOs. Um, you know, it's they're really, especially like I said, it's not like Oregon State's going after JUCOs on all positions. It's really right now offensive linemen and defensive backs. And you, know, you look at a, a group that had like, I think, 17 scholarship players, the offensive line when Coach Anderson came in, has been decimated from injuries, from retirements, you name it, and they have a big slew of guys that are going to be retired or are graduating this year. So um, there's some desperate need there. Defensive backs, you lose. I mean, Tristan Decoud came in from the JUCO ranks yeah. and is, is arguably Oregon State's best defensive player right now, his second year in the program. I'm so, not even sure that's a debatable topic. I think yeah, it it's is, not even yeah. probably debatable. Yeah. So um, you know, you get some guys that can come in and fill those voids. They're hungry a lot of times um, to come in, and I think Oregon State's really going after the guys that are going to be December grads. So they can come in, get that spring and winter conditioning under their belt, get spring practice under their belt. Um, I, I don't think it's a desperate measure. I think it's a smart measure at this point. It also gives some of those guys, the younger guys, some a more chance, more time in the weight room. But not every JUCO turns out awesome, or and not all of them come in and contribute right away. So you know, I really, I know, I, re, I remember flat out that first week of the podcast saying I expected Wesley Payne to come in here and be lights out. Yeah. And we haven't seen a whole lot of that yet. So, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily translate on every player. Mm-hmm. But if you can get some depth built, then they also, these guys don't tie up scholarships for four or five years either. You know, if they come in and they don't pan out, you have them for two, three years. Is it a concerning, though, thing? Because you, you say it's desperate, but it's also kind of smart, too, to, to just build up the talent. Do you think, though, it's concerning, I think, from a... 
a four-year recruiting uh, mark, like when you're going to get the high school, is it concerning to you maybe on the development with this coaching staff with some of these kids or where the class is right now or you know the kids they grabbed from high school in 2016? Like, is it concerning at all from that that point? Not necessarily. I mean, that's that's the other thing that Coach Anderson and his staff has to balance is is the timing of these guys. You know, like, and when you can't unre- you can't not redshirt your whole freshman class because you're going to be you know you, you need some guys in the, waiting in the wings. You know, to so spread guys out. So I, I know there was a question. We'll probably get to it about Mason Moran redshirting. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't have two. You don't really want two freshmen no. earning their red shirt because you need to have guys spaced out for recruiting down the road, for um, you know graduation, for you know just the spacing. And that was something I, I don't think the past staff was super good at. To be honest, they went out and just looked for athletes. It was like, okay, that guy's a good player, but they didn't look at how it would affect down the road. And so, you know, typically you really want four or five offensive linemen every year's class. You oh. know. Three to five, I guess, is what you want. Um, right now, Oregon State's looking more at that five mark just because there's so many guys graduating or have left the program. The, Coach Anderson's also battling, you know, they've lost so many guys to attrition as well. So yeah. um, guys leaving the program early, so you need to kind of fill, backfill, I guess, if you would. And so it's better to backfill with a guy. If, if you've lost a bunch of juniors and, you know, sophomores, juniors, backfill with a sophomore or junior, then you know, have a whole bunch of preps coming up through um, that makes you very youth-heavy. Yeah, you talk about attrition, too. Didn't it feel like every other play an Oregon State player was on the field in Colorado? Yeah. Oh, it was crazy. I mean, it, it was it was and, just And not terrible. just, like, little things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Jay Irvine was, I mean, you could see him in pain. They had to um, help him off the field. He couldn't put yeah. pressure. It's just, it, you see it. I mean, it's evident how bad injuries can be. And, you know, Fred And when Lowine, you're thin to begin thing. with... Yeah, then exactly. It, it really takes a toll. Exactly. So y- you mentioned pre-podcast because we were talking about some things that we were going to address here. Uh, you said this is a big week in recruiting, big weekend. Why is that for people who maybe don't follow recruiting quite as closely? Oh, big visitors coming in um, with Oregon State this week. Uh, five official visitors that we have confirmed, and of course, I do. I hit the wrong button right now on my computer, but um, Cathedral <laughs> in Los Angeles. Um, is is big time talent there and um Eric's Flemings is a wide receiver commit. He's a fast guy. I mean, I call him little guy cuz he's like 57. Um he's that speedy guy that's going to be, you know, doing, you know, return game, some of that stuff. He's already committed to Oregon State. He's bringing a couple of his buddies with him in cornerback Jeffrey Manning and Jamari Calvin, another wide receiver. Scout has him ranked a three-star. Some sites have him as a four-star. So he is um, very, um, very strong, strong candidate. Isaiah Hodgins is a four-star wide receiver coming in to check out Oregon State. And then a JUCO, uh, Deontay Fortenberry, is a cornerback at a city college of San Francisco. So he is also making the trip up. He sounds very, very high on Oregon State right now. And so um, you know, he, I'm really watching him to see you know, if he likes what he sees, to see him maybe commit here. At, yeah. You know. So that's, that's the crew. There was another, Tariq Lewis, a cornerback out of Riverside, California, was supposed to make the trip up, but he's originally from Florida, and his family is dealing with the hurricane right now. Oh, so yeah. His mom couldn't make the trip out with him, so he is going to reschedule that trip. Uh, I will say, though, before I ask you a question about these recruits, um, I, I will say, if you were to take... Uh, if you could name two or one bright spots from that game in Colorado, you'd mentioned the offensive line. 
I think the two that I would name is, first I'd say Nick Perebski has been their best oh, player all year. lights out, no doubt. He's like the best offense and defense for the Beavers. <laughs> and, which isn't a great thing. And then the second thing I would say is, how about Art Pierce? I, I mean, we haven't taken away a lot this season. I love what I'm seeing from the true freshmen, and I think that's kind of an encouraging sign for all the question marks about Wesley Payne, who's a Juco, or, or any of the other freshmen or sophomores that are played that have been disappointing to you, the listeners out there. Uh, I think a bright spot and encouragement in terms of recruiting and development is Telly Lockett and the ability to get Art Pierce to come to Corvallis when no major schools were really recruiting him. Arizona offered him last minute, uh, and now look at him. He comes in there as a true freshman. He almost at times looked like he's better than Nall. The way he cuts, he's a little faster. Uh, I thought he had a pretty good game against Colorado. That was a bright spot for me. Oh, completely. And Okay, this was a discussion in the Logic Beaver Blitz. Do you think he is more of an every-down back, and then you put Nall in to do you know, some change of pace? Uh, I want to see it for one or two more games. If he shows me what he showed me against Colorado, I say 100% he's more of an every-down back, and Nall is kind of your third down or goal line or – short situational back. Um, but I loved what I saw. I mean, you know what he has is there's a, the kid on BYU, uh, Williams, number 21. He's their main running back at BYU. And I've seen like two or three BYU games this year just because they've been on TV. And that kid, the way that he runs, he's a tough runner. He's a senior. Pierce kind of reminds me of him. The way that he runs, he cuts, He's got deceptive speed, and he's big enough to lay a blow and take hits. And, and yeah, I, yeah. That he just reminds me of that running him. back. Yeah, he does have some wiggle to him. He made some cutbacks against Colorado. I was like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't know he had that in him. And so uh, I like what I've seen thus far. But in terms of replacing Nall, um, maybe they transition that way. The coaching staff does because they like what they've seen. But I need a game or two more from him in terms of showing me what he did against Colorado before I'd probably go that far. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Nall can pick up some big yards. I, I still wonder how 100% he is after getting a little dinged up at Minnesota. He's looked a little more hesitant, but it's so hard to tell. I mean, offensive line struggles and, and different, you know, the offense hasn't been able to click really at all. So um, Nall, Nall does bring a different look, obviously, than a lot of those running backs do. But I wanted to ask you uh, about recruiting and, and just talking about kind of the encouragement of the coaching staff developing and finding the right kids. So Art Pierce is a great example, but you could probably point at a few others and say, not a great example, hasn't looked good thus far. Um, how is the 2017 class shaping up right now, in your opinion? Shaping up well. I mean, you'll, you'll look at some of the ratings, and they don't, like, blow your socks off. But I, I honestly think, like, a guy like David Morris is is pretty solid player. I mean, could be high three-star, four, low four-star kind of player. Uh, there's a kid out of Florida, Quantino Allen. He actually is committed but took a, a trip to Maryland, has a couple other trips planned, is coming out to Oregon State for Civil War. It's going to be a battle right to the end for him. And he, you know, he's rated a two-star yeah. This is Florida for you, though. So um, it's, it's shaping up nicely. They really, really need offensive linemen. And that's where I see, like I said, the the push right now just this past week has been junior college O-linemen and junior college DBs. So that's a, a big one. Uh, Brian Cole, a, a DB out of East Mississippi. So I just started watching Last Chance U. Oh, East you just jumped on the Last I Chance U train? I started. I'm on, yes, it's awesome. Isn't that a damn good TV show or documentary series, whatever you call it? Yeah, it's awesome. So I'm in on, on game th- or episode three right now. I just finished. So um, I love that. I love that show. 
Brian Cole is a name to watch because he is uh, at he's a Michigan bounce back. Uh, Craig Evans is another one. Um, just visited the last home game, uh, Boise State. He, big time D tackle. Mm-hmm. He's one to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, he is checking out Arkansas because he's originally from Wisconsin. So uh, he has some ties to uh, Coach Anderson. I think we talked about it last week. Yeah. But um, they're they're really hitting those JUCOs hard. And uh, but I, I do like the way the class is shaping up. And yeah, I mean Telly Lockett, Corey Hall, and uh, Derek Odom. Holy cow! They are hitting Florida and Georgia and Mississippi hard. You know, I, I do want to point out because you know Oregon State to me is never going to be a program with or without Gary Anderson. They're just never going to be a program that ranks in the top like three or four in this conference. Maybe they have one year, but for the most part, they never will be. And I'll tell you why is because when you recruit from the Georgias, Mississippi, specifically Florida's, or maybe an occasional Texas and California. There's just so much talent, and this this is what I what I know about Art Pierce. Is Art Pierce is a damn good football player. If he plays in the state of Oregon or the state of Washington, probably a four-star type prospect. But because there's so much talent in these states, Florida, for example, these kids get one or two stars. So I think it's going to be real important for Beaver fan out there to don't just focus on the star ranking of these kids. See where they're from. And when you hear Florida or you hear California or maybe you hear uh, a Georgia or Texas or a state like that where there's known football talent, let's let's wait before you have a snap judgment of, well, he only got a two-star out of the state of Florida. Well, what's a two-star in the state of Oregon? That's damn near a five-star. So I think perspective is going to be real important, too, going forward in recruiting of it might not stack up with stars, But you have to trust this coaching staff if they're going to go to these big-time states and swing these kids to go from Florida all the way to Corvallis, Oregon. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's a a special – I I wouldn't put California in as as lumped in maybe with with that somewhat, but Florida especially. And I remember talking with Telly. It was at the recruiting dinner uh, that first year they were here and just kind of just – we were just – talking about in general Florida athletes and you know he talked about these kids are beating up these top kids top programs you know Miami Centrals of the world are beating up each other week in and week out so um great great prospects and then you know watching last chance you I'm looking at like Mississippi and some of these areas in Georgia yeah and and Florida even they're very rural very rural. It's, it's not as it's I don't I, I honestly don't think it's as hard of a sell to go into those areas and you know, bring a kid to Corvallis as maybe it is to go down to Los Angeles and say, come up to Oregon State. I don't think it's the size, Angie, about like these towns. These kids are from like 300 person towns sometimes. I don't think it's the town size. I just think it's the distance between the distance. states, you know? Yeah. Like you live in Georgia. Like I know just for me, I'm I'm a grown ass man. I have a family. If you told me, hey, Brandon, you got to go do a radio show in Georgia. They'll pay you a lot of money. Go to Atlanta. I mean, I'd probably take it, but I'll tell you, I'd probably be homesick for like two months. I would miss yeah. everything about Oregon, and there'd probably be an element of, you know, missing or wanting to go back, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Different weather, different environment. But it, I don't think it's as hard of a sell, though, as, you know, maybe a bigger city might be. Yeah. No, I, I can understand that Even one. Texas, you know, it's kind of yeah. like, okay, there's a lot of areas in Texas that, you know, people talk about the drive from Eugene Airport to Corvallis or Portland Airport to Corvallis, and yeah. you're driving, you know, buy some fields and I'm like, well, that's a lot of areas of Texas. Yeah, no doubt. So, uh, so there's some good stuff to look forward to in recruiting this week. Angie always top notch. Beaverblitz.com is your destination uh, of where you want to go for all things, Oregon state recruiting. 
fantastic, on top of it, always has the inside information. Uh, do you want to do some damn questions? Let's do them. Okay, uh, let's start with this one. We got this one from Josh. Josh says, hey guys, can the team be competitive in another game this year? Which I think is a very valid question at this point. Gosh, after watching Colorado, I say no. Okay. But I, I want to say yes. <laughs> I, will say, I will say yes. Okay. I, I will say yes in two games. The first game, and I'm going to harp on this, and I don't care if Oregon State loses by 30, I will harp on this until the actual game ends. The first one would be the Arizona game. That is in uh, mid-November, I believe, in Corvallis. Would have no doubts that it's going to be gross, wet, not fun. Kids coming from Arizona. Uh, they have quarterback problems. A new Solomon is hurt. Brandon Dawkins is banged up. Hard to recover from injuries throughout a season. Um, and I don't think Arizona's that great. And I think their defense can easily give up big plays. I think they could beat Arizona, or that game could be really close. And the second one is this. I think uh, when you look at the Civil War, maybe Oregon wins. You'd bet on them if you were to, to go lay some coin. But I'll say this. The Oregon team was much better last year, and they lost by 10 and made that a ball game. This defense is even worse this year. And uh, that is a ship going down in flames right now with the way people are acting. I think those two games I would circle and say, yeah, I could see those two games yeah. being competitive. Very, very you know, great point. Civil War is going to be a fun one, I think. It is. I'm getting a tailgate, by the way. We may have to set up a, uh, a heads-up to people. Damn podcast tailgate. Beaver Blitz, damn cast. There now, you go. There's going to be a lot of people because i got some buddies that are Duck fans, but it's going to be a good time. We'll trash talk. We'll have uh, civility. We'll be all that's, nice to each other. That's what makes Civil War fun. Exactly. Have some beers. Make fun of each other. Um, right. got, we can make fun of each other because both teams aren't aren't looking too too sharp right now. Hey, it could I, be Toilet Bowl 2016. I have one for you. So Brandon Cooks is in town. It's his bye week, and uh, he was at the, the tip-off dinner last night for men's basketball, stopped uh-huh. by practice today, uh, has been hanging out. And PN says, will, or um, I'm sorry, the wrong one. This is Wesley Bouchang. Okay. Um, with Brandon Cooks at practice, with a lot of big-name recruits coming in, can having someone like him there help with a visit? A hundred percent it helps. No, no, I will say Oregon State cannot set up any meetings with Brandon Cooks. No. You know, can't be, you know, oh, but you're right. Does it does it hurt to be like walking, you know, sitting up in your seats and being like, oh, see that down there on the sideline? Yeah, that's Brandon Cooks. Yeah, I, I mean, I think... First round draft pick, Bolitnikoff winner. Yes, I think it helps tremendously. And uh, he comes and hangs out on his off, off days. Yeah, absolutely. Off He's still connected to the program. And by the way, new coaching staff. This coaching staff didn't recruit that kid. So uh, I think it's a great sell to any incoming recruits, even if he doesn't meet them. He was a four-star kid that chose Oregon State over UCLA. He's an NFL stud. People love him. He was a first-round pick. Um, I absolutely believe it helps you 100%. If it doesn't, I tell you right now, it doesn't hurt you. So no. you'd have to say 100% that helps you. Totally. I, I agree. Like I said, it's too bad he can't talk to him. But um, And here's, here's PN. He says, will it take one or two more years before the Beavs are actually competitive in the Pac-12? One or two years? Uh-huh. Uh, competitive. I'm, I'm going to say two. Two. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was. Uh, two. What, what would you define as competitive? Every well, game, winning a this year, game? this year I was hoping competitive would be, you know, keeping it within like seven, yeah. ten, you know, ten against the really good teams. Mm, I, you're you're going to have Mason Moran as your quarterback next year, unless Daryl Garrettson goes and sees a psychiatrist. 
Uh, they'll play better in different areas because of experience, but in terms of consistently being more competitive, no, I, I still think you're two years away from that. Yeah. Um, we got one from Adam. He says, with a group searching for a new AD and on-field product not improving, how safe is Gary Anderson's job? He's safe. A hundred percent safe. hundred percent. There is nothing that is remotely close to having any kind of thought or conversation about his job. And I, I will say for Beaver fan, that's still not betting or not sure about Gary Anderson. Um, I think you need to pump the brakes. We do this in college football in general. We're doing this a little too extreme in Corvallis for my liking. I'm an alum. Guys, I, I'm in debt for Oregon State. <laughs> I met my wife there. I created my first child there. Like, it's great memories. Hey, for that me. is way too much information, well, Brandon. I'm just telling you, like, I'm a devoted Corvallis, Oregon State type person, okay? Like, it bleeds deep in me. But he I named his first child local boys. <laughs> <laughs> Show you chicken. That's the name of my first yes, kid. Yes. No, six uh, A. <laughs> six A. <laughs> I, no, but I, I just I say that. I know that's TMI, but I say that just so I can. I can just so tell you guys, know. I'm being honest when I say that. It's not that I, I don't like Corvallis. It's not that I don't like Oregon State. I do. But but the honesty factor is here. We are also Oregon State. We had a tradition for 28 years of being nothing but dog bleep in the Pac-10, Pac-8, Pac-12. We were everyone's homecoming game. You absolutely were. And so, yes, I know we've had some good years. Riley has changed the expectation level, and that's great. It's always great to want more and be optimistic and demand more from your program. But, guys, anybody out there questioning Gary Anderson and this program, pump the mother bleeping brakes. Texas wants to do it. I think it's stupid and overreactive, but fine. They're Texas. We are Oregon State. The reality is it's not great, it's not pretty, it's not fun, rebuilding sucks. Give this guy four or five years before we start questioning him long-term. Completely. I mean, it's it's this era of what have you done for me lately. And it, it really is. I mean, seriously, this is a major, major rebuild, and while I thought we would, be, we would see more competitive football on the field, this is, yeah, no, Gary Anderson is not going to be looking for a new job after this year. It's, uh, it's, it's a four- or five-year deal, so... You know, I think in year four, five, if things aren't drastically changed, then you, you talk. Look, it's it's no different. It's really no different than this. I'll occasionally get like a, a pimple near my jaw for whatever reason, and I'll say to myself, this is probably going to be a two- or three-week wait. Day two of that pimple, I'm like, come on, man, you're are like you kidding me? squeezing and poking yes. at it. Yes, you're trying not yes. to, but you can't help it. It's like we all knew that this was a serious rebuild, right? But all of a sudden, you're, you're in year two, you're still getting your ass kicked, and people suddenly don't have the same patience that they were preaching they would have before or prior to his hire. I do like just the focus and the attention to recruiting. I, I think if you're a Beaver fan and you're listening that right there should make you sleep a little better at night and just know that the dedication is there. These coaches don't like losing. The players don't like losing and they are working their tails off. Yeah. No, to, I, uh, you know, get better, to get better players. I don't think anybody could set it better than what you just did. Angie, it is, you listen to Gary Anderson and I, I just don't know how you don't listen to him and go, you know what? I trust that guy. He's been honest. He said, we've been bad in coaching. We've been bad in playing. Like, he blames the onus on him. Yeah. He, he takes the onus for his players. Like, I just think there's such a respect 
and feel for this program with where they're at. I, I just trust where they're going. I do. Yeah. Um, we're supposed to wrap this thing up. We're in kind of a time crunch today due to some conflicts outside of the podcast. Anything you want to talk about with Cal? Will they keep it close against the Cal Bears? The spread has been bet up from 10 to 13 and a half for people who are degenerates like myself. No. It's, I, I think last night I was on a, a call, the Cal Grid Club, a, a booster group out of Sacramento had me on a, a conference call with their meeting, and they made me, you know, feet to the fire, what's, what's the final score? And Cal's offense is just so electric. I, hey, I hope to come back next week and eat crow, Brandon. You serve it up to me on a silver platter, but I think I said 48 or 50 to 14. 38-14, yeah. No, 48. 48 40, or 50 oh to 50, my 14. goodness yeah, no. gracious. Yeah, no, I'm... I'm... No, hey, I, I, nobody's going to say anything negative. I mean, the reality is they've gotten their butts kicked by about that margin. Cal's offense is uh, probably, a, probably a little slightly better than Colorado's right now. The, the good news, though, that just came out today is that Dwayne Williams will be back. That's great news. I just don't know if that makes much <laughs> exactly. difference at this point. <laughs> Cal, goes, Cal goes for 548 yards per game. I would look that to be around 650. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, Boise and Colorado went over five. So I, I'm going to give some advice real quick. We'll wrap this thing up, I promise. Uh, my advice would be if you're into betting on college football – I'd really be looking at that Cal-Oregon State game. I bet against the Beavers last week, the 19 spread in Colorado. That was done in the first quarter. This Oregon State team, I think they mean well. I love the coaching staff. Not ready. Cal is way too talented. And uh, I think they will be focused coming off of a big win against Utah. So what's your score? Uh, I'd probably go something very similar. I'll go 44 to, I'll say, 13. And I think the defense might, you know, might have some good stops, but I still haven't seen enough from the offense to say that they're going to score points. Their offense, I mean, the defense has been bad. The offense is not putting them in great positions, getting off the field in three and outs. So that's so. that's where I'm at. So Beaver fans, like I said, Brandon, hopefully, you know, if you're serving me crow, make sure to have a beer beside it. <laughs> I will. I, I will. like stouts. Okay, I'll make sure I give you a beer next week. If you end up being wrong, you guys can say the same thing to me. Thank you, everybody, for the uh, for the questions this week. We apologize. It's a little shorter than usual, but kind of get in, give you some hard, uh, hardcore recruiting stuff, answer some questions, talk about uh, the Colorado game a bit. We didn't really want to rehash. Well, what, you know. there's nothing to rehash. They got their asses yeah. kicked, so I mean, that's just <laughs> what it is. Uh, all right, Brandon Sprague, 1080, the fan, Angie Machado, beaverblitz.com. Go check it out. Go subscribe. Go there. It's great content for Oregon State. Uh, we'll be back next week to preview, talk about the Cal game, preview the Utah game, uh, maybe an update on maybe how some of the visits went. Uh, so check it out here at the, uh, the Damn Podcast. We'll talk to you guys next week for another edition.